0: Welcome to the Wealth Guys Personal Finance Podcast, covering all the important wealth topics with the experts that matter. And now, here's your host, Joshua Steger.
1: Okay, welcome everyone to another installment of of the the Wealth Guys Podcast. Um, Today, it's my great pleasure to speak with a a self-managed super fund expert. Um, His name is Chris Kiddo. He's a chartered accountant and a self-managed super fund specialist advisor. He's currently the GM at Superfund Wholesale and Superfund Partners, which is a business that administers over 800 self-managed super funds uh, for, for clients and advisors. Um, one good thing about Chris is that he's certainly on the on the leading edge of, of technology and also what's happening in the self-managed superfund industry. Um, I've actually yeah, went online, found a good quote Um, on his LinkedIn page and uh, and I'll read that out because I think it's such a good introduction to to him and what he's all about. Um, So it starts, technology is bringing about a seismic shift in our industry and is creating so many wonderful opportunities. There is no better time to strike out and create a unique new business or service offering. For me, that is the most exciting part, helping to fan that rebellious idea into something tangible and something awesome. It's no wonder I found my feet in the self-managed super fund space. By definition, every individual who has started a self-managed super fund is not following the status quo, and I'm passionate and supporting those who want to do things differently so that they can do it well. So I think yeah, that serves as a great intro, Chris. And um, I suppose yeah, we'll just pa- pass it over to you and, and tell us, you know, what what is a self-managed super fund, you know, from your perspective, and, and give us a few insights there.
0: Thanks, Josh. That's a, a fairly uh, comprehensive introduction, so I appreciate that. What what do I see a self managed super fund as? I guess in the world of superannuation, I see the self managed super fund as the you know the Maserati of the of the super fund world, to put it that way. So obviously, I've got a I'm fairly biased because I'm very passionate about self managed super funds. So, but you know, the way I see it, it, it is one of the best wealth creation vehicles around, and you know, it, it's all about having that, that control and sort of, you know, coming back to that introduction you gave me, it was about, you know, not really following the status quo and actually striking out and, and, and doing something a little bit different. And that's how I see self-managed super funds. It's for those people who want to take a bit more control. Um, and that control can, t- can take on a number of forms. So it can be, you know, someone who wants to, you know, put together their own investment portfolio. Or pick their own shares or buy a property, or it might just be a case of having a, a deeper level of engagement and working with someone who, you know, treats them as, a, as an individual, not just a number. And that's what I really, power. I would define a self-managed super fund.
1: Okay. And in in respect of that, I mean, what what do you see in your business in terms of, like, average age um yeah who what people are coming to you to saying, yeah i want to take control of this this nest egg that i've got here
0: okay so we've got a couple of different main demographics that we see coming through the door your more traditional ones would be your baby boomers you know average age sort of late 50s early 60s uh getting you know they're at retirement or very close to retirement so they're very um, focused on the wealth that they've built up in their, in their super over over a number of decades. And because they're going to start you know drawing it down, they're, they're seeking uh, a lot more uh, control and it becomes a lot more important to them. So that's the, the standard, the typical demographic that historically that we've seen. But the good trend that I'm starting to see is a lot more... Uh, Gen X and Gen Y people come through the door, so people you know under the age of forty, um, they're maybe a little bit more you know financially savvy um, than your average uh, person off the street, and they, they 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 see how even though they're relatively young and relatively you know early or you know midway through their their working careers, they've they've actually built up. Maybe between themselves and their, and their spouse, quite a bit of wealth. So in in their super, in terms of the balances of their super accounts. So, you know, they're saying, "Listen, this is a fairly big chunk of our overall wealth, household wealth." You know, we need to pay more attention to it. So, that's really positive. So that's sort of the the second main type of demographic we we look after.
1: So, and do you think well that's that's been a change like over like last five five years or?
0: Um yeah, I think I think especially the last. Sort of five to seven years there has been an increased number and that's reflected in the the statistics that the ato publishes there's a larger number of these younger people coming through and sending up self-managed super funds and it it kind of makes sense if, if you think about it you know it's not unusual for for people in their in their mid-30s if you've got you know a husband and wife who or a, a couple um, um who have been uh you know working professionally for sort of 10 to 15 years and you know you do build up a quite an amount of super and before you know it it's it's can be hundreds of thousands of dollars so you know it is it does when you get those statements coming through you go wow you know we really should be doing something more with this
1: well i think i mean and you probably agree or you mentioned it actually is i think the big thing with people, you know, starting to sell management super fund is that it increases that engagement yeah. in what is going to be a very important part of their, mm. I mean, certainly the nest egg and then, you know, their whole retirement. I mean, this is what's going to fund yeah. um, their life. And, and I suppose that's, do you agree, that's probably one of the biggest problems with, say, industry funds or retail funds where it's all done for you. Yeah. Um, you know, people get to a point where they want to retire and then all of a sudden they're like... I've got no idea how this all
0: works yeah exactly right and i think that's one of the, the big things which is not really spoken about i think that what we see in those clients who do start up a self-managed super fund it can be a real trigger point or a catalyst for them to to be become a lot more engaged with their overall financial lives not just their retirement savings so and i think um yeah it, it is overlooked and and you know, I, I, yes, I love self-managed and I love superannuation, but by the same token, I'm also very passionate about financial literacy and seeing people, um, you know, grow their their other assets that they've got outside of their retirement savings as well, and they work hand in hand. And I think that's something that's often uh, overlooked.
1: So, in, in that respect as well, do you do you see there's like a lead-in stage to getting to self-managed super fund? Because I think, you know, in my experience, or certainly in what you probably read in in um, News articles and things. People go from the jump of yeah. I've had no control over you know what might be millions yeah. of dollars in in my super to self-manage super and then just get really just make some huge mistakes in terms of investing and managing it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it can, it can be quite a quite a big jump. So what we normally say to people who, who come and speak to us or uh, speak to an advisor that we work with is that you need to have your house in order first. So you need to you know, have, have a bit of a, you know, a personal budget or actually have a, a wealth creation plan, not just with your super. So, And that's one of the biggest mistakes I think people make is they, they jump in with very little experience and say, okay, well, you know, I know I can do it better. Uh, or I went to a a weekend seminar and all of a sudden I'm I'm an expert on you know um, you know leverage property investment or you know trading CFDs or I I've paid four thousand dollars for a software program I can beat the market um, it doesn't really work that way it's there's a, you're sort of overthinking it to a certain degree. So yeah, that is one of the the big mistakes which I see people make. They they try to do too much too fast, and they don't actually have a good a good solid foundation. I mean, I'm not saying to people don't look at it. There's nothing preventing people going down the self-managed fund track, but you know you've got to got to be realistic and, and know when it's the right time for you, and mm-hmm. make sure you've got. Yes, you can use it as a catalyst, and it's part of that sort of learning journey with um, with your financial literacy and your financial life, but. You know, um, some people will, will might be beneficial to sort of step back a bit, maybe go to a, a, an interim measure whereby they can, um, you know, use a different type of, you know, uh, retail industry fund that gives them a bit more control, because you know, let's be honest, there's a lot of things which. Uh, A self-managed fund can do, which you can also do in an industry of retail fund. Like, there's a lot of direct investment options, so that may be a good sort of starting point. Um, Even though, on the surface of it, some of those options are relatively cheap. um, People have to do some due diligence or speak to an advisor because there can be some hidden costs, and they've got to take all that into into consideration before before going down that path.
1: So, you know, yeah, regarding the costs, like, is there yeah. what's what's your view as what is the right size yep. for a self-managed supervisor because obviously the costs in terms of administration are fixed yep. so as the balance gets bigger it's so much more effective for you but what what do you see as the minimum what yep. would you be prepared to take on for a client
0: okay so most people dance around this answer and don't actually say you know a figure for me the figure is $150,000 yep. okay so if you're you know um, a couple then that's your combined amount, I wouldn't suggest having any more than two people in a self managed super fund. Once you start adding, you know, brothers, sisters, friends, you know, the next of cat type of thing, it does get a little bit uh, uh, difficult to, to manage. So for so me, that's
1: then, sorry to interject, but yep. that's a really good point. Because um, often you see, like, it's families mm-hmm. like to say, Oh, I'll put my son and my daughter in, in the fund, and you're like, Well, you, you've got different objectives mm-hmm. and different. But, because of the age is yeah. you're going to retire soon and your kids really want yeah. a growth type portfolio. Like what, how do you, you know, cover the health with the
0: client? Uh, every. Every family situation is a little bit unique and, and difficult. I mean, my, my my I have a self-managed youth fund. My parents have a self-managed youth fund. It's not the same self-managed youth fund. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be. We could, if we really wanted to, run some sort of separate accounts and separate investment strategies and then just combine that administrative burden. Um, but by the same token... Yes, for the saving of maybe a thousand dollars per year, which would which would probably be, it's not worth having that that uh, closeness and you know having to have you know my parents sign off on my you know opening up an account or sign off on the accounts at the end of the year type of thing. It's not it's, it's not worth it for me. But for other some other families, there might be situations where um, you know uh, you might have a you know people in their 40s or 50s that have you know uh, children who are starting to enter the workforce and work and you know they might use that as a bit of a tool to try to you know get their get their their children thinking about you know their retirement savings because you know decisions and because of the compounding and time value of money it might be a good a good sort of education thing so that's one way to do it but realistically once once um, you know children become adults they need to be really kicked out of the nest in mm. more than one way and uh, move to their own fund. But at least if it gives them a bit of a head start in terms of their you know financial literacy in this area then then that's a good thing.
1: So I suppose yeah just in summary of that that you see a submarine super fund as long as people do it for the right reasons. So yeah. it's not just yeah. I want to take control. There's also this, this foundation that you have mm. regarding that, that control and how you're going to yeah. manage it and, yeah. and what you're going
0: to do. Yeah, and I, th- I think people just got to be honest with themselves and, and they'll, most people will do the right thing and they'll, they'll figure out when it's the right time for them. For some people, it's a little bit earlier. Some people, it's a little bit later. Um, some people can say, listen, I thought it was the right time, but it's all got a bit too much. I've got other things going on in my life. I'm trying to start a business. I'm trying to you know, manage family things. Then you know it's okay to say you know I want to take a different approach. So you know it's it's and yeah, the situations change down the track.
1: So we might just touch on that actually because I mean you're and certainly from that uh, in, introduction quote, mm. you're quite leading edge in terms of technology yep. and what's happening out there. Um, and yeah, some people I mean some people say oh the self managed super fund's taking taking a lot of time or or the management's a, a big responsibility. I mean. Using the right technology, it shouldn't be. Um, no, can you talk talk a bit more about
0: that? No. Well, it, it, the way what we what we see traditionally, and and this is not just um, the the trustees of the self managed funds, but also the professionals, especially the accountants I've been working with over a number of years. Um, yeah, maybe sort of 10, 15 years ago, yes, it would have to be quite manual and and paper based and time consuming. But if you look at it now, like most people. You know, when was the last time you walked into a bank branch? I mean, most people run their, a lot of their personal finances and their banking over, uh, over the internet or phone banking. Um, so that's a real massive change. And we see that, you know, I remember a few years ago we started um, uh, working with a, a lot of clients from a, a sort of traditional uh, chartered accounting practice. And what we noticed is that all of these, these clients were absolutely fantastic, you know, to run all their portfolios, you know, online through various providers and do all internet banking and all electronic. And, but then it would come to the end of the year and they used to print off these reams and reams of reports to bring into the accountant to prepare the accounts, who would then copy all those and then, um, you know, send it to the auditor who would also have a whole lot of paper. So... Um, but realistically you don't need to run it that way it should it should all be you should be able to run a self-managed super fund from from a tablet or from a laptop or from even from your mobile phone if you really want to so um, and i think it comes down to the advisors and the professionals you work with if they are technologically technologically savvy then um, that that does provide the means to to make it a whole lot easier i mean one of our goals um, that we set with our clients is try to do things without any paper. So that goes right through the process from the type of accounts they use, how they invest, how they manage it, the kind of tools that their advisor might use, the systems that we use to, you know, to do all the accounts and get the audit done, uh, right the way through to using electronic signatures. So you can do it end to end without paper. Um, you know, there is a little bit of a hold back at the moment with some of the banks and financial institutions. If you want to set up an account or set up a brokering account, a bank account, etc., or place an investment, you've got to, you know, get a paper certified copy of a trustee type of thing. But over time, there's solutions that are rolling out which uh, are going to make that a lot more streamlined and remove some of that friction as well.
1: So, I mean, just to give us an idea, like in terms of a year, hmm. how many yeah, what, you know, how many hours would someone be? Required just on the admin, just on the tax and the you know signing off in yep. the accounts and how many signatures
0: okay. would it be? Okay, so I'd say traditionally, um, some of the admin work it could be up to, and this is traditionally, this is not now, this is traditionally would have been maybe ten to twelve hours per year. So it's almost one hour per month, and that in terms of collating records and signing off on things and filling out forms. Um, now I'd say if you're spending any more than on the admin side any more than 5 minutes a month so you yeah. say 1 hour per year and that's 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 a maximum we we probably have people who spend 5 minutes per year because yeah. you know it's basically um, the admin component is, is dealing with us and um, and we can make that you know a lot more streamlined so w- what we say to our clients is that they shouldn't be spending time focusing on the admin side we can do the admin side we can we've streamlined it um, a great deal so they should be focusing on the more important things which is their investments and the strategies they're using and working with an advisor or working with, you know, with their um, investment strategy to actually get that good return to, to fund the lifestyle they want that's the more important stuff
1: that's, yeah I mean that's a really good point um, and, and just to, to highlight as well I mean we and that's a problem with traditional accountants or, or certainly in, in the industry or I suppose in, in the media as well Everyone's kind of pushing. Oh, this is very yeah. sexy. Self-managed super fund yeah. accountants push it because they're like, oh, here's an, I can get more share of the client's business. Yeah. But they're charging mm. on an hourly basis because mm. they don't have the right systems. And a firm might be running only 15 funds, yeah. whereas someone like yourself, you're running 800 funds. Yeah. You can't do that without technology.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, you're exactly right, and at the risk of uh, receiving it. Know, some more hate mail than i already do um accountants unfortunately traditionally actually get rewarded for being inefficient yeah um because yeah as, as you said if they're spending you know 10 hours and charging you up hundred dollars oh. an hour that's where you get your two thousand dollar fee I'm not, and i'm saying that's probably a reasonable fee but you know i think most people would much rather the accountant spend less time actually doing that and more time providing some strategic advice yeah. or you know working with an advisor who can uh, get a better result
1: yeah yeah what, what's the worst that you've seen there? Because like, I've seen I've, I've seen $15,000 bills yep. for, for a year and it wasn't even that complex and the fund was probably only just under a mil. Yep. Um, and I've also heard of like $25,000 yep. bills.
0: I, I, I haven't seen uh, any quite up to that, but I've definitely seen in that sort of twelve dollars to $15,000 yeah. range for some of your, your high net worth, uh, multi-million dollar funds with a lot of transactions, a lot of investments. But once again, when it comes down to technology and systems, you know, why should someone be penalised if they've got, you know, 100, you know, share trades in a 12-month period compared to someone who's got 10? Mm. Like, if it's all been handled automatically, mm. then there's no actual additional time <laughs> burden. So, and that's something that that where we get a lot of new business uh, from people is purely because you know we we offer fixed fees. Mm. So it's it's makes it really really simple so you you
1: charge on basically the complexity of the fund essentially
0: yeah the main driver for us is the underlying investments um, that are used Mm -hmm. by the by the trustees so there's going to be certain things like if someone's uh, got a commercial property and um, you know that type of thing there is a lot more uh, complexity to that so those people will pay more Uh, whereas if people have got quite simple affairs and yes they will they will pay less Um,
1: and yeah it's good Point that you've mentioned their property and will lead into that as well because that's such a, a big area. Yeah. I think there's a lot of uh, misconception that people go, oh, I don't under- understand the share market, mm-hmm. um, so I'm just going to rip my money out. And, and certainly encouraged by the real estate agents who have no idea how it all works, um, and they just like they rip it out, get a sub super fund, and go buy a property. Um, obviously, you could administer yeah. that and keep the costs at you know low, but you know what. Do you see that often in terms of clients, like how many would actually own properties and you know, talk a bit about, about yeah, that?
0: Yeah, so I'd probably say in the last, say, three to four years since there's been the ability... And the thing that's been the main trigger point recently is that self-managed super funds can now obtain a loan to purchase property. So whereas if you wanted to buy a five, $500,000 property you know, prior to 2007 your super fund would have to have five thousand dollars plus all the associated costs. So it kind of made it very restrictive. Nowadays, you know, even a fund that's got, say, two hundred thousand can easily buy a five hundred thousand dollar property because they can get a loan for the difference. So that's obviously triggered a been a big driver, triggering tr- triggering a lot of a lot of interest in, in property as an investment under super. The biggest risk I see with that is, you know, it's if you get it wrong, there's a massive cost. And, you know, people talk about, oh, you know, if you Put in the wrong name, we'll do this, and there's so many mistakes you can make. The biggest mistake is purely buying one investment which underperforms, yeah. and then you've just you've lost out big time. And I know there's people who are massive proponents of you know good old bricks and mortar, um, but you know realistically they're they're taking uh, taking a punt that you know that one property that they've chosen, and yes, it might be a couple of properties over a number of years, but that. That one large investment they've chosen is going to outperform the market, and there's no. Sometimes they'll get it right, but the majority of the time, you know, they might not get it badly wrong, but it might just be very average in terms in terms of the um, return that it generates. And that this is purely just just my opinion, but what I see is that um, it's a lot easier to get a good return in the long term by buying a wider range of good quality assets, which may or may not include property. So. Um, we could probably talk all day and, and debate it all, but, you know, and the old thing around bricks and mortar, I mean, you know, if you buy shares in Woolworths, you know, Woolworths exists. You can, you walk in it every week. So if you say, you know, you don't understand the share market, well, do you understand these brands and these businesses that those shares represent? Yes, you do. So I've got my own, I mean, because I, I, to be honest, I, I thought a couple of years ago, yeah, I can go down this path and I could, you know, um, you yeah, know, Easily, you know, go out there and, and borrow and buy a property in my self-managed food fund, and I actually uh, decided against it. I had a, I got some advice and put together a very good uh, portfolio, which I'm been relatively happy with, and it's actually outperformed, you know, the properties that I was that I was looking at. So even with the the leverage, so you know, it's 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 people have to dig a little bit deeper, but. As I said, it comes back to, it can be a very good trigger point for people to take interest in their retirement savings, so they might not have looked at it for another 20 years. But if you think about it, if someone's in their mid-30s and starts looking at their retirement savings, the positive impact that will have compared to someone who's not going to look at it until they're 55, that is the the real big advantage that I think Self-Managed Super has for people of that sort of Gen X, Gen Y um, age group.
1: So I suppose it's like don't don't do things by half measures. If you're going to go to the stage of setting up a self-managed super fund, yeah. then why not get engaged in terms of all the investment options, all the asset classes, yeah. instead of just going self-managed property, and yeah. then you've kind of done yourself an injustice there a bit.
0: Yeah, potentially it might work out fine, and you know I really hope that um, it would. But you know, to give you a bit of an idea on the statistics that come through our business, if we have ten inquiries around about around purchasing property through super, I'd say after talking through all those type of uh, issues, I'd say only two people would actually go ahead and okay. set up a self-managed super fund, and of those two people, only one person would actually go up and, and uh, purchase a property within 12 months of setting up. Okay. The other person would probably say, listen, there's a whole wider world out there, yeah. I still like a self-managed super fund, but I'm gonna take a different investment strategy.
1: Is that with borrowed funds? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: talking yeah. about using a limited recourse borrowing. Okay. yeah because um, it's interesting because I think it's kind of and
1: we're also maybe giving it a bad name there as mm. well in terms of property because mm. that's probably and I don't know if that's your opinion as well one of the great advantages mm. of a self-managed yeah. super fund is that someone who's running their own business can buy their business premises oh, in the super yeah, fund yeah. so
0: don't you think that's that is That is, you know, the number one thing that I absolutely love when it comes to property in super it's about uh, those small business owners or Business owners be able to buy their premises. That has such a massive positive impact, not just from a taxation and retirement savings, but also you know being a business owner and having that certainty around you know your tenancy. That that for certain businesses is absolutely essential, and it's a major driver which can help them long term. So you know when when we're, when we're sort of talking you know generically about property, mainly think about residential property. Mm. When you start talking about commercial property, it's a totally different mm. kettle of fish. Yeah. And
1: uh, are they getting loans for that as well? Like, it, how do the banks? Are they better on commercial property? Or? Yeah.
0: Uh, well, I mean, typically your commercial property loans would have you know different conditions. Mm-hmm. Normally a lower loan to value ratio, so you would actually need more money to cover the equivalent value of a commercial property compared to a residential, where you can borrow up to eighty percent. But then again, certain professions, like we do a lot of work with uh, people in the medical. Uh, Professions and, um, you know, there's certain lenders who will lend significantly more uh, for those professionals because they know there's a sort of certainty around the income they can generate. Mm. So, I mean, in terms of... So we've talked about, like, some
1: of the the benefits, and obviously, I mean, that's a a big one for the uh, business real property or buying commercial property in super. There's also some clear limitations in terms of the self-managed super fund versus some of those bigger funds yeah. and that comes down to access to investments and things like that do you think that's a de- detriment or i mean how do you how do you view that
0: um yeah the, the some the scale that can be offered by some of the big retail and industry funds is quite powerful so if you look at things like you know insurance premiums because of their buying power obviously they can drive the cost down and offer an equivalent you know insurance product at a lower premium in some cases it's it's obviously it is generic to a certain degree. So most people um, who have a self managed super fund tend to get some. or well, they you need to get advice around your investment strategy because an investment strategy for a self managed super fund must cover off on insurance for the members. So that's life and disability insurance. So always good to seek advice around that. But you know, you sometimes your big industry funds can get a get a bit of a discount there. Um, and in terms of in terms of choice of investment, I think what we're seeing now is that because of the growth and the actual dollar value in self-managed super funds, there are just so many more options. Like people, you know, maybe five or ten years ago, would think, okay, yeah, I can have cash, I can have term deposits, I can have shares and property, and that's it. And you know, maybe there were some limitations. Now it's it's everything is opened up, and um, I think the big trend moving forward is going to be there's going to be a lot more technologies and solutions and products that are being built. To cater for the self-managed super fund market, which makes it great for any any members or trustees of a self-managed super fund, because you've just got a, a wider range of investments.
1: <clears throat> I think yeah, that's another like just so sort of leading into our next um, topic essentially is, is that there are some some actual legislative requirements around mm. running a self-managed super fund, and certainly yeah. that's a big part of what you guys do. You like will keep keep you guys on the on the straight and narrow in terms yeah. of all that. There is a common misconception, in, I suppose, in terms of superannuation. It goes back to that engagement, is that people think it's an investment. I have got X amount in, in yeah. super and that's an investment. It's actually just a structure. Correct. And that's what a self-managed super fund is doing. It's, it's saying it's essentially a special trust for retirement, and, and this is how it works. But to, to get these benefits, which are basically like your maximum tax rate is 15%, when you retire at zero... The government saying we'll give you these benefits for your retirement, but you must operate within these distinct boundaries. Um, I mean, you've obviously seen that the spectrum yep. of um, good outcomes, yep. but also bad outcomes when when yep. clients go away from those those boundaries. I mean, what are some of the misconceptions there when it comes to to managing and keeping it within the legislative yeah. requirements?
0: Yeah. So uh, the big thing is is that superannuation is for your retirement. So anything that involves touching it pre-retirement is not allowable. It's illegal. Um, people who do it, um, will face massive fines and even potential jail. And, you know, there have been some cases recently when, um, you know, multi hundreds, of thousands of dollars worth of fines and, uh, significant penalties that have been applied to those individuals and promoters around those illegal early access. So that's probably the main thing. A lot of the, Breaches or the most common breaches that occur, and also the most common ones that we see. We don't see a lot, to be honest. Um, Even though we look after quite a number of funds, um, you know, we see we see a relatively small percentage, and that's that's because the vast majority of people do do things the right way.
1: So, I might might just add in there as well. Another thing to highlight is that you're actually doing the accounts in real time. Where I've found issues with clients, or certainly heard about it, and if we're Mm. you know. Tidying up a, a, client, a new client's portfolio. It's where the accountants are only doing the accounts six months, 12 months, 18 yep. months down the track. Yep. And they're like, well, you, there was a mistake back here. It's too late. You're yep. looking at real time. If anything comes up, you will be straight on the phone and talk yep. to the client or the advisor and say, you know, this is this is something we need to deal with.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's probably the main difference that you'll see between a specialist SMSF business like ours or your traditional accounting practice that looks after individual personal tax returns and business tax returns and you know bad statements and super super is kind of an afterthought and that's why it does exacerbate some of these problems Um, whereas with us we do have you know live transactions rolling through every day we have people looking at our funds every day we lot of have a lot of smart technology and logic that, that goes that's built around those transactions so things jump up and it's like oh okay you know $20,000, $30,000, $50,000 twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars disappeared out of the account yesterday. What was that about? You know, we can pick up the phone, speak to the, the client or the client's advisor and say, you know, what's this about? And you know, there have been times when it might have been an innocent mistake, oh sorry that was meant to be, you know, a bill payment for uh, from my company account, um but whoops, I actually, you know, I'm internet banking picked from the wrong account. We've had those instances happen. So when you can immediately identify it, you can quickly rectify it. And then, what happens is yes, it still may be reported in some instances by your auditor. The auditor will submit something at the end of the year through to the um, tax office. Um, but if the tax office can see that okay, it was an innocent, innocent, innocent mistake, it was addressed and rectified very quickly. Um, you know, they don't take it any further, and that's the the best possible outcome. Um, but even when when they are when they are things which can't be fixed a lot quicker by Being upfront and being honest with both, you know, the professionals you work with, and as well as you know the the ATO as the regulator, uh, you do tend to get a lot a lot better outcome. Where it gets really bad is when people hide it, when they know they've done the wrong thing and they just don't face up to it and don't address the issue. That's when it really gets. The ATO will come down hard, and you know, the ATO has only been the regulator for about 15 years on self-managed funds, it was APRA before that. And sort of the, that first sort of decade, they were very much around education and um, you know ensuring people did the right thing and they would always work with you. Um, now they're getting, the, they, they still have that and they do invest a lot of resources into education of SMSF trustees and, and the professionals they work with. But now they've got you know both the carrot and the stick and we are starting to see the stick a few more times and they've got a lot more power, and they're a lot more focused on the ones they, the things they, they will take action on. So, I mean,
1: is there any data around what the, the biggest um, mistakes are that people make? When it comes to breaching, yeah,
0: breaching yeah, um, by, by memory, I'm not a, I'm not an auditor, um, so <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it's uh, it's around uh, loans to writer parties or in house okay. assets. So that's basically you know lending money to you know friend, family member, your business, that type of thing. That's a that's a big no no, yeah. a very very big no no.
1: So what about things like running a business in super? Do, do many people do that? Because obviously you're not allowed to do that.
0: Well, actually, technically, there's nothing that says you cannot run a business. However, if you think about the things you need to do running a business, it's about, you know, setting up accounts on credit and, you know, paying wages and those type of things. That's when it gets tricky. So it's the actual tangible ins and outs of that you need to do to run a business, which you can't do.
1: What about, because um, this sometimes comes up, like whether people, like, Want to buy residential properties, do them up, resell them. Yep. Do you do you risk going into a property development business in that regard? Do you, um, do you see any of that? Or yeah, yeah
0: we do. And, and to be honest, that's probably one strategy if where it's done correctly that um, can actually add quite a bit of value. But it, you wouldn't if you've never done it before. If you're an amateur renovator, mm. you wouldn't you wouldn't do it with your super. There's just too much to lose. But, you know, I had a guy uh, probably about a, a couple months ago who, who I spoke to and he had, he had a, I think he was on his third or fourth, I think maybe his fourth property, so he would actually had a bit of background. You know, his, his brother was a builder and, you know, he was a tradie as well and, and that actually successfully uh, done a few renovations for profit um, and you know, they are very diligent, very uh, astute when it comes to the numbers and if you know, um, there's quite a few people who, who promote it as a strategy um, and yes, it is quite you know, glamorous and you know, yeah. it's all, yeah, I mean it's, it's <laughs> really good for TV ratings but there's a lot of uh, harsh numbers behind it and I mean, you know, if you look at the most uh, recent series of the block um, yeah, down in Melbourne, I mean, that's a really good example. I mean, those people work their butts off and got bugger all return and that's just the reality of the market, sometimes that happens. So um, I think people have to be realistic and you know, focus on the numbers because that's where the real truth lies. So. But it is, it is a good strategy and it can be done and it can be done in super but definitely seek advice and yeah. do it the right way and don't do it if you're an amateur.
1: Yeah. Um, and also like in terms of over contributing to super or drawing too much out or too little I mean how harshly are they viewed by the ATO?
0: Yeah it's actually getting a lot easier now. There's been a lot of um, there was cases where people were you know, inadvertently going over their caps and triggering you know ninety percent plus tax on, on that, putting too much money in. So there's been some changes which make it a little bit easier. So if you go over your caps now, um, so say if you sorry, sacrifice too much, or you end up um, getting a bonus and your employer pays some super and, and late in June and you can't really do anything about it, then you know you're just going to be taxed at your your personal marginal tax rate. So you're no worse off than if you didn't you know push it through to super so that's a real it's a good outcome there's still some work to do uh, with your personal or after tax contributions but once again it's an area where people need to seek advice um, conversely on the other side when people start drawing down their super uh, there's a certain minimum and maximum which they can take out that maximum disappears once people retire or hit 65 years of age um, but yeah it's very much uh, important to keep keep within those limits and um, I know there's a case with uh Don Argus, the the ex chairman of BHP, and yes, yes. he's having a big, big barney off the tax office at the moment because um, he didn't take out what he needed to take out from his multi-million dollar super fund. And um, to be honest, I don't have any real sympathy with him yeah, for true. him. So he's maybe should have been he should have, he be should right he should have right. been using our service. So am true, right. sure, you know. To be, you know, we've got. Um, a few hundred clients are in that drawdown phase, and I can honestly say over the last 12 months, not one of our clients has not taken out their minimum pension. So, you know, that just goes to show, you know, if you if you do specialise, you've got to got to be on the ball with those type of things.
1: And I mean, obviously, there's restrictions in the amount that you can contribute because it's such a good tax structure for yep. retirement. Um, I mean, and things have changed over the last couple of years, or I suppose the last yep. 10, 15, 20 years. We've all these. RBLs and yep. you know, reasonable benefit limits, which is tragic, the amount of uh, issues we used to yep. get into. Um, but what, I mean, in terms of that, are there any figures around, you know, what an average person, you know, kind of maximising or getting close to their maximum contributions? How much you'd actually build in super? Yep. I mean, it's it's pretty much impossible to have, I mean, I've, I've, I have heard of a client having like a $20 million super fund, but that yeah. would be very rare.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are... The biggest thing is trying to get money in there yeah. because it is so tax effective. Obviously, they can't have people, you know, putting unlimited amounts in there and then having zero tax if they're if they're of pension age. So, um, the limits at the moment are for your personal after-tax monies. Uh, it's one hundred eighty thousand dollars per mm. year per individual, and you can also trigger what's called a bring forward, so you do three years at once. So, um, I was speaking to uh, a financial planner we worked with recently, and he's just. Um, uh, got a client who's who's uh, immigrated to Australia, and they've got quite a bit of uh, cash and, and wealth uh, in their personal names, and they're able to put in you know five hundred and forty thousand dollars each. Mm-hmm. So you know they right off the bat they have a million dollar self-managed super fund. So you know if you see people who, who have uh, built quite a bit of wealth from their businesses or other personal investments, they can get quite an amount in there over a long period of time. But it does it does take time. So do you have like?
1: Obviously, I don't want to disclose your clients, yeah. but I mean, what's what's an average figure that the people could have uh, towards for for a self managed fund uh, uh, to well, have in there before you start drawing down?
0: Um, you know, the the average that we see, our average and our client base, um, and you know, to be honest, our client base is a little bit a little bit older and maybe have a little bit larger balances than normal, but we're just under one mil okay. our okay. average client. So yeah. that's uh that's the um the Average amount, I think it's nine hundred seventy-nine thousand. We worked out as of thirtieth okay. of June. So, um, you know, realistically, I mean, it would be nice if, if people retire at sixty-five if they had around that eight hundred thousand dollar mark, it would mm-hmm. give them a pretty pretty decent lifestyle in, in most cases. But maybe not in Sydney. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. <so> on on <laughs> yeah. average, so an Australian average. Um, if you're in Sydney, you're going to need a lot more. Uh, if you're in some of the regional areas, maybe a little bit less. But um, yeah, it, it it's as individual as each member of a self-managed super fund, and that's that's the the real, that's both the, the good thing, but also the challenging thing of self-managed super, it's so individual. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, so, before we move on to like talking about the future of and yep. what we see with technology, I mean, how do you see, how do you think the government views self-managed super funds? How do you think the tax office views them? Um, there's a miscon- or certainly a view amongst clients that, oh, I don't want to put too much in because the government might change the rules, yep. or... Um, but I, I kind of say, well, you're, for most of those clients who need to worry about that, we're so close to that point where if the government change the rules, we'll just rip it out, put another trust, put it in another trust, or find yeah. some other way to yeah. manage it. Yeah. What What's your view on how you think it's viewed yeah. by the uh, by the
0: political? <laughs> because it is such a, such a powerful,
1: point. powerful part of the market now as well. Yeah.
0: It, oh, very, very much so. And I think probably the thing to clear up. Straight away is that self-managed super funds still have to comply for the same tax and um, you know compliance laws that the bigger super funds do. There's a perception that's put out there wrongly or rightly, and I'm not sure whether it's just because it sells newspapers. Is that you know self-managed super funds rule the system? That's that's, that's not great. right. They it's they a do <laughs> yeah they do provide flexibility, and that flexibility can be used to. Uh, the advantage of the members, but it's still all within the rules, so there there is no real unfair advantage that your self-managed fund has. Um, in terms of how it's seen by the government, you know, to be honest, the current with the current government we've got, they are a lot more pro SMSF compared to maybe a Labor government. Um, and you know, we've actually seen a lot of positive changes in some of the legislation and you know clarifications that they've that they've put in place to make it more. Know, to reduce the red tape. So that's, that's been a real, a real positive outcome. Are there going to be changes in the future? Yes, it's going to be, uh, it will be tinkered with and they'll continue to do it. I think the biggest conversation that, and this could probably be a whole other podcast for you, Josh, the, the, the biggest conversation which needs to be had is more of a, a big picture thing about, you know, the tax concessions that apply to super, can they be done in a better way? because, yes, you have your, you know, your Don Argus's of the world who get a uh, or should have got a massive uh, uh, tax benefit because I've managed to shovel a lot of money over a long period of time in there. Uh, but then, you know, you look at some of your more sort of hard-working blue-collar people, you know, they, they don't get as much of a dollar benefit. Um, Still the same rules apply, but obviously because of the flat rate of tax and, and super, compared to your marginal rates outside, obviously the higher your outside taxes and the more money you drop in there uh, the bigger benefit you get so um, you know it's there to encourage people to fund their own retirement is it doing that yes it is to a certain degree but it it could long term they're going to need to look at it, look at it and see whether it's sustainable from a from a tax perspective
1: well i think you know it certainly put australia in a lot better position just to have superannuation as yeah. a as, a, as mm. well something that everyone must have and we don't have the issues that you're going to see in the US and Aging population, everyone relying on pensions either from the government or from companies yep. they work with. So, I mean, there's a need to keep it very attractive, um, and that's what I always say to clients. Like, mm-hmm. and typically the changes they've made haven't been. I mean, generally, they it hasn't made it a lot worse, or you know, or often mm-hmm. better. You know, mm-hmm. in terms of um, some of the outcomes we've seen. Oh, over, very much so. Over Especially last the
0: last sort of yeah, five to yeah. probably well, five to ten years. It's been a lot more positive.
1: Um, so I suppose yeah, moving to the uh, I suppose yeah, probably more um, exciting part of the talk is, is really to talk about the future of and particularly the technology that we're seeing. And certainly, I mean, that's why I like to um, spend time with Chris because he's, he's always on the leading edge there in terms of what's happening. If ever oh, I've got a question or who who does this the best or what do you see happening here, he's always the man um, with the answers. Um, so I mean, where yeah, what do you see? I suppose yeah, for the future of self-managed super funds. In Australia, do you think, you know, what what can we expect?
0: I think the next few years are going to see a really big, not just in super or self-managed super, but in the whole financial services space, there's going to be a, a lot of innovation. We're already starting to see some of that. And, and what that's basically big picture is for consumers and know your average investor whether on a self-managed super fund or just with their own personal investments is that there's going to be a wider range of solutions so you're going to have people who uh, are going to be very engaged and who want to uh, you know be very hands-on and they're going to be able to do all that and do it a lot more easier a lot more cost effectively um, right through to your people who you know just want to know that it's heading in the right direction so there's going to be uh, continuing to be a lot of development around some of those technologies to enable that to happen I mean, some of the some of the cool things that, that we've come across recently is, um, you know, we've started to do a little bit of work with a, a business, and I'll give them a bit of a plug here, called uh, Open Markets. So, they have recently um, launched a, their online stockbroking, which is nothing new. There's a lot of pretty crowded space in the online stockbroking market, but the interesting thing that, that we've been doing some work with them on is uh, the ability to buy direct managed funds through your broker. So, That's, uh, yes, there's been things like, you know, exchange, traded funds, ETFs, and also uh, M funds more recently that have been rolled out. The uptake, I think, is is, is increasing, definitely. but what Open Markets has done is basically leverage some existing uh, networks and technologies to to provide access to people. Because, to be honest, and we see it for a lot of our self-managed super fund clients, they can go and buy their um, you know direct equities in the Australian shares very easily. But when it comes to managed funds, it's, there's there's a lot of friction. There's a lot of paperwork, or you might have to use like an expensive wrap account platform. Um, and you know it's not that the investors per se have a have a negative feeling towards managed funds most people acknowledge that they they can provide a bit of um, exposure to different areas and different markets that they can't get directly so there's they've definitely got their place and people see that but it was just it's just too hard like I know even myself I've been guilty of you know selling out of managed funds purely because I, I just didn't like the the paperwork and the fact that they didn't you know data feed into our software and all those type of things so um, yeah, some of those barriers are starting, and those friction points are starting to be removed. And that's that's just one example that I've seen.
1: So you're probably seeing in terms of innovation, you're seeing from an admin administration point of view, you're seeing probably the costs yep. will go down um, because the access to data from the investments is going to improve.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And I think um, you know that's it's it's removing those little friction points, and all those friction points have a cost in terms of time or a dollar value cost. So you know, as, as they can be removed it does does make a difference uh, there's probably also going to well, there's also a lot of tools that have been developed a lot of cloud based things a lot of apps that can you know go and analyse and you know look at models and you know sort of do a bit of um, peer comparison between you know your investment strategy compared to other people so that's always that's always uh, interesting and that provides more information and uh, makes you know, it drives people towards, you know, focused on that that investment return or that investment outcome. So, um, you know, that's a very, very interesting space. Um, I suppose it's also the
1: investment options that are really opening up. And you mentioned open markets and just like how are we going to get better cash options, particularly for Australian investors as well, is how do we get better international investment options? So you're probably seeing... Yeah, exciting things happen. Oh,
0: very much so. I mean, at the, at the moment, yes, there are quite a, a few ways, and you know, you look at your major sort of Comsex and E Trades and Westpacs, you know, they ha- do have overseas uh, broken options um, and might just sort of be focused on the US market. Um, so, do you, do you have many clients doing that direct yeah, international? Uh, yeah, maybe, um, maybe oh, as a percentage, it be quite per low. Small, It'll yeah. probably be, you know, maybe, you know, one or two percent. Yeah. So, and the reason why is it's, it's too hard. Yeah. Like there's a there is a hunger for it, but it is physically hard and expensive to go and invest overseas. And I know that's the other thing. Um, you know, coming out to open markets on their roadmap is they're going to have the ability to uh, invest directly in the U.S. market mm-hmm. through your same same broker same account, account. Yeah, yeah. log in your same interface, and have it settle back into your you know Australian bank account, yeah. and Australian dollars. Um, yeah, there might be a few more forms and that somebody has to fill out for your for your US tax and stuff like that. But um, you know, relatively simple, and that's something where I mean, people, most people realize that the Australian market is tiny in terms of the world. Not so. yes, <laughs> no, everyone does. Like the figures wow.
1: suggest that, but everyone's like, oh no, I, I know Woolworths worse, and I mm-hmm. know this. But what about you know, Walmart? You yeah, know, it's the biggest, one of the biggest companies in the world. Has has. You know, you know, the same operations you know mm. that Woolwest does, but it has it globally. You know, what? Why can't you invest in that? Why wouldn't you? You know, mm. that, I think that makes
0: a lot more sense. Yeah, and that that's probably the main area. I think over the next couple of years, we'll see um, those those global barriers come down. So it'll enable money to freely move mm. to the most appropriate spot and the most mm-hmm. appropriate investment and that's that's a win-win for everyone mm-hmm. and i mean if you're if you're you know say someone who's a fund manager i mean it, it really just breaks down on those barriers and you know money will flow into your fund if it is the best fund for that particular mm-hmm. investment class mm-hmm. if you've got the good performance and you're telling a good story then people are say yep yeah, i want i want to buy that yeah. so that actually changes the industry in a quite a subtle but quite a quite an important way as well mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think, yeah, we've been lucky in Australia because the market's been quite, mm. quite buoyant, but it has been yeah. over the last couple of years. Probably when you look back now post-GFC because you know, the US has done exceptionally well, and I think now finally people are saying, oh, we need to look outside this little island that we live on. Yeah. Uh, there are some actually really good investment options out there. So but it's been problematic getting into them, mm. but now you're saying it's, it's really going to open up, and, and, and that's certainly an exciting part. Um just to touch on as well like ETFs, like yep. have you seen a big take up? I mean that's a relatively new thing in Australia, which is essentially an index fund that you can buy on the ASX and there's a lot of different options um, in terms terms of you know, the assets you can access. Have you seen a, a pickup in clients using those?
0: Actually, yeah. Just in the last twelve months they've seemed to seems to be quite a quite an quite an increase. Um it's it's come off a very, very low base, granted, um, but I think Yes, we've definitely seen a pickup. Um, what I would say to people is that they need to, you know, investigate, look at the costs associated that are built into those ETFs, um, and you know, if if in any doubt, seek advice. I, I think they, I think they're a great tool, and if you've seen uh, how they've worked in the United States, um, they've become, you know, very much, uh, very well accepted and a very uh, standard part of a lot of. Investment portfolio, so yeah. I think we'll start to see the same thing here. And there's been an increasing number of providers, and some of them are getting quite innovative. So, um, you know, do they have a little bit of complexity? Yeah, to a certain degree. But by the same token, so to manage funds. So, yeah. you know, I think I think they're a good a good thing that we're we're seeing Absolutely. come through.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, any other areas of technology that you yeah, or any exciting developments that you yeah,
0: can yeah, prob- touch on? Probably the, the 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 biggest one recently is is your good old humble cash product. Mm-hmm. So um, another business that we've we've uh, I think both Josh and I have had the privilege to work with recently is a startup called CashWorks, and what they've basically done is uh, removed all that friction and paperwork around setting up uh, new bank accounts, new cash accounts, and turn deposits for. Uh, not just self-managed super funds, but for individuals, for companies, for family trusts, and um, because at the moment, what what we typically see is is when our self-managed super fund clients want to go and set up a new bank account, they either have, well they have to fill out a lot of forms. Even if they're filling out all those forms online, they have still actually got to print something off, sign it, take it into a bank branch with you know a copy of their ID, um, a copy of the trustee of the super fund, copy of the certificate of you know, corporation for the trustee company of the super fund, and it becomes quite a big process to actually um, identify the, who that super fund is, and uh, then to open an account and get it active. So, and that goes across right across everything: your broker accounts, your managed funds, your wrap accounts, your bank accounts, advisors, everything. If and that's all because of the um, you know KYC, which is your know your client and anti money laundering AML requirements. So they've got to know who you are um, and what. Well, this Cashwork solutions, what they've built, is a way to handle that identification for your self-managed super fund electronically. So, um, and they have working, you know, very closely with a lot of the big banks, and already got a number of them signed up. So, you know, and they'll just keep on adding more and more providers. And what what that means, if you're a, if you're a um, self-managed super fund trustee or any investor really, I mean. It just breaks in all those barriers, and you can have money move from one account to another. They open up instantly. the The funds are in there the next day. You can, um, you know, hunt out the best term deposit rates. Um, you can set up rules, and we'll have your advisor to set up things. and Okay, reinvest my money every three months at the best available rate. Um, there's currently a, a $250,000. Uh, guarantee. So if you've got two hundred fifty thousand dollars with one bank, and something happens to that money, the government will actually give you your money back. So some people are concerned about that. So you can actually set it up so it splits. You know, if you've got five hundred thousand dollars, it can split it across different institutions. So, I mean, very. Um, it, it's a very it's sort of stable part of the market. You're banking, but you know there are. Things like the, the this cash work startup that will actually shake things up, and once again, money will just flow through to the, the place which gives the, the best return. So, um, and that all integrates back into your administration technologies and your you know um, accounting systems, etc. So it's it's that full full sort of picture again. So that's that's one really uh, you know thing you know innovation that we've seen, which gets us pretty excited. Mm.
1: Yeah, well to take away the admin and the mm. account opening process. But I think, I mean, the big thing with that as well is that that I think will actually make submarine media funds as an investment option even more attractive. You're probably going to be able to access investments that not even the biggest funds can do. Mm. Just simply because you're nimble, um, use the right technology and you can, uh, can uh, yeah, yeah, find the best deals for what's suitable to you.
0: Yeah, and I think that, that's kind of the whole, and we've seen it in other industries and, you know, with technology and the internet, it, it brings all those tools that were previously only available to sort of, you know, the big into of town down to your, your individual investors and, and the advisors they work with. So, you know, there's another um, uh, tool that, that we know of um, which is relatively uh, recent, which which sort of, uh, it's called Financial Simplicity, and it's something which, you know, your advisor can use. And what it does is it, it goes into your... Uh, links up with um, the SMSF uh, accounting system we use and um, what it does is it pulls out the details of of your investment portfolio and compares it to um, you know, say a model that the that you've decided determined with your advisor, and then it will actually work out. Okay, these are all the share trades that need to happen to make your current investment portfolio aligned to that model, and then it pushes it all through to the broker. And you know, the advisor clicks a couple of buttons, and all the trades are done. So, you know, something like that is, is very very powerful. And I mean, you know, it gives you if you're a trustee of a super fund and you're working for your advisor, and, and they can pull out an iPad and, and you know realign your portfolio in a number of minutes. You know do you feel in control do you feel in touch do you feel confident that you're going to get you know the best outcome of course you do so that's that's fantastic and those systems yes you know they are used by by professionals but we're going to see more and more of those things coming uh, you know available to your to your trustees as well which is great
1: Okay. Well, uh, so yeah we're probably up, up to time there Chris and we will probably talk another couple of hours about about this and I mean it just shows you are passionate about what you do and um, and I think, yeah, your knowledge is, is yeah, beyond, beyond most out there, which is, um, yeah, which is, I think, what's, what's needed in the self super fund space, actual specialists who, who, uh, who love what they do. Um, so just to, to reiterate, in terms of the businesses, there's the super fund wholesale business, which um, deals with advisors, uh, financial advisors, and then there's super fund partners, which is direct to the retail client. Um, and also, I know Chris is pretty active on Twitter, um, so, yep. what's the your?
0: Uh, my Twitter handle, so yeah. it's, it's it's Chris, which is K R I S uh, underscore Evolved. So Chris Evolved. That's my uh, Twitter handle. If you just Google Chris Kiddo, you can probably track me down uh, pretty pretty easily. So
1: Kiddo K-I-T-T-O
0: K-I-T-T-O Yep.
1: And yeah, certainly you want to keep informed with what's happening in the super fund space. Um, Twitter. I mean, Chris is Chris is very active there and he's on there all the time. So, yeah, once again, yeah, thanks, Chris, for your time. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll look forward to hopefully catching up again and talking about more developments in, in due course.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Guys Personal Finance Podcast. To find out more, go to www.joshuastega.com.